Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Our guest today is John Bickley, CEO of Anthem Publishing, based in the beautiful city of Bath. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Acorn Web Offset, the Yorkshire-based specialist A5 and A4 magazine printer. With high-speed web offset and sheet-fed printing, together with in-house saddle stitching, perfect binding and mailing services, Acorn can cope with the most demanding of production turnarounds. Acorn prides itself on its efficiency and low-cost print production. For more information, visit acornweb.co.uk. So, John, can we begin by um, you giving us a brief overview of your career in publishing so far? Yeah, sure, Keir. Um, so, yeah, I started working in publishing in uh, Comag, uh, magazine distribution, back in the early 90s. Um, I'd sort of had a, an urge to be a journalist at one point, and then I did a business degree and um, was more, moving towards, more towards marketing. So uh, Comag described themselves as a magazine marketing company, so it sounded like the ideal way to get into the worlds of publishing. And what insights did that route into publishing, starting out working at Comag, give you? It was um, brilliant, really. Yeah, they were um, dealing with so many different publishers on a day-to-day basis and, you know, the whole gamut of magazines. Um, I remember at Comag, you used, every time there was a new special or a launch, you used to get a, mag- a copy of it for all sort of 200 people in the company. Everyone would get one. So you were just getting this massive range of creativity landing on your desk pretty much every day um so it was a, a fascinating way of understanding the, the world of magazines and do you think that gives you an advantage now having an insight into the commercial arm of publishing um yeah i think uh yeah running a business is it's a difficult and a ruthless thing so having commercial sensibilities is essential um so yeah having that background I think is still in good stead but obviously yeah, it's all about the um the different ranges of skills that people bring to a publishing group or company so um yeah while it's a, a strength for me in terms of distribution I've probably got blind spots you know when it comes to subscriptions or even um uh, advertising sales so yeah I think it's always important to surround yourself with people who are experts at the other stuff stuff as well so then you went on to work for Future Publishing. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I had the, I, I sort of was, I come from Devon and I always thought I'd end up moving to the West Country. Um, but, I, you know, sort of two years into my career wasn't quite what I imagined. But um, it was such a good opportunity and Future were just pulling up trees with the, the, you know, the way they were growing and just innovating all the time. It was an exciting opportunity. And um, I sort of brought my wife down or future wife down to have a look around and so that was nice and then was quite surprised when we actually moved and but you know it's it's close enough to London to not be too disruptive for her um but future itself was just such an exhilarating place there were launches all the time and magazines that were selling hundreds of thousands of copies you know in just like a meager format would sell 140,000 copies and uh it was a exciting time there was always something new and you you got lots of responsibility very quickly um so it was uh, it was a real fast growing up experience and what was your first role there uh, so i was a circulation manager um working for 
Jane Ingham, I think, maybe even Greg Ingham back then, um, looking after uh, PC Leisure magazines. So PC Format was uh, sort of games and creativity, and um, uh, this was even before the internet as well. Uh, and also, like I say, some of the computer games magazines, um, Amiga Power. So, yeah, it was all sort of um, a little bit, not early days with uh, computer games, but just as they were starting to become mainstream. And it was, you know, it was uh, a fascinating time. And how did you move up through the company from that first role as circulation manager? Well, I actually left briefly to just try and create a business and seek my fortune, which didn't work out at all well. So I, I came back with, team, with my tail between my legs, but managed to get a, a role as an assistant publisher, um, working again on the, those PC magazines. And I picked up a magazine called Computer Arts, which just had one test issue and was able to run with that and sort of make that my own, if you like. And that was a real success and spawned some other sort of creative computing titles as well. And really, I built from there. Um, uh, go on. Well, no, no carry on, because I was going to come on to 2002 when you, you set up Anthem Publishing. But I wanted to ask how the move from future to setting up Anthem Publishing came about. Sure. Um, so I, I sort of I was at future for another seven years, I guess. And over time, I, I moved from the computing side to uh, music and cycling and entertainment. So I, I sort of broadened my experience quite a lot there. Um, and in, in particular with music, I found a sort of a, a new home and I, I really enjoyed that market. Um, but Future, having been through all that sort of explosive growth and um, the flotation back in, I think, 1999 or 98, um, sort of fell victim to the um, bubble bursting and I was basically on the sort of wrong end of the reorganization and I, I was still working there but I just was a little bit sidelined and wasn't enjoying it anymore so I managed to sort of agree with them that I'd leave um, and um, there wasn't a lot of choice around Bath at that time if you wanted to be in publishing and I didn't really wish, want to go back to London so really the motivation to launch future uh, Anthem was partly about self-interest of uh, wanting to do publishing and wanting to stay in Bath. Um, but also, you know, both Paul and I had talked about setting up a company, you know, in the sort of previous year and felt that we could do something um, successfully and perhaps slightly differently and, and also with a much sort of closer focus because obviously Future was growing and sprawling. So it was a different sort of scenario. So what was your founding mission? Um, it was to create great magazines in collaboration with our markets. Um, I think we felt that perhaps some publishers were a bit arrogant um, and would be quite, you know, in the day, in, back in those days, you know, the publishers had quite a powerful relationship with advertisers um, and possibly sometimes overexerted that. And we, and we felt that we had the, an opportunity to work more closely with our markets. And the, the name Anthem was although it sort of coincided with us launching a music title, also um, was meant to be a sort of about doing things together, you know, all in sort of uh, harmony, if you like. So that was quite forward-looking because that, that's very much the ethos of publishing today, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, over time there's very much more collaborative um, approach to publishing these days. It's, it's essential, really, you know, and, and you, everyone knows that they want, they've got sort of common aims and there's, a lot less belligerence than there, there perhaps was back in those days with rate negotiations and the like. 
If you were to give advice to anyone considering launching their own independent publishing company today, what would be the do's and don'ts? I would, like I just did, take a deep breath first. Um, I think it depends what you mean by a publishing company now. You know, so uh, one of my good friends at Future, um, James Binns, he launched a, a publishing business, but it's not a print publishing one. It's a you know an online um, games network and being spectacularly successful. Um, you know, the, the, the inclination of launching a, a print business is is one that's, you know, was sort of more in my veins and, you know, 20 years ago. I think if I was to launch a business now, I'd certainly um, tread carefully if I was going to do a print one, especially given what's happened recently. Um, but that said, you know, if you spot an, uh, an opportunity and there's, the, you know, the nucleus of a market there that you can work with, then there's still chances to to launch and to um help coalesce a market um and i think you once said you have an insatiable appetite for launch and experimentation and um, perhaps as you said that that was uh, back in the early days but how has the anthem portfolio evolved since those early days yeah i, I do try and get my the people i work with to stop me from doing launches and um you know silly experiments um but yeah over time we've so our first magazine was music tech which was what back in 2003 or two um and then the second one was italia so there was there was no synergy or anything there but our thinking was that we wanted to have feet in two camps we didn't want to be beholden just to one market so while it may have made it difficult to scale up um over time that sort of spread of portfolio has stood us in quite good stead in terms of resilience um so from music tech in italia we there were sort of various key moments we we bought guitar magazine from ipc um probably about eight ten years ago now and that was a real pivotal moment for us because it brought a, a, a solid profitability into the business and also created that uh, nucleus of a portfolio for the music titles and then, and then led to other titles like vintage rock and classic pop. Um, and then from Italia, we, we sort of moved into food titles. So we had a, an Italian cookery title at one point, Taste Italia. And that taught us how to publish food magazines without having our own kitchens and our own food styling. Um, and it, it enabled us to become prominent food magazine publishers in a more uh, economical way than we thought we had to. So those are the those were sort of key moments. Just um, moving into food, buying guitar, um, and then probably just subsequently over the years, you know, we've experimented with other things and, and flexed and come back. Uh, but I guess our most recent uh, strategic thing was buying music. Uh, sorry, women's running, um, which again uh, helped with that movement towards a sort of health and wellbeing company that we're now operating as. Um, and Women's Running uh, recently won one uh, Lifestyle Magazine of the Year at the Ace Newspaper and Magazine Awards. Um, can you tell us a bit more about about that magazine and what you've done with it? So Women's Running was a title that Wild Bunch Media had published for about six or seven years, maybe a bit longer. And they themselves had won awards, um, and but they were never able to sort of take it beyond uh, the single title. So I think they had a sort of structure that was based around one magazine. So we, we were able to inherit and you know, buy a, a brilliant magazine that had been superbly marketed, um, but it was just wasn't quite right for the company at that time, for their company. Um, but over time, our time, we've 
we relaunched it 15, 18 months ago now, um, and really putting the, the reader, the female runners right at the core. And we've got a fantastic editor in Esther who just lives and breathes um, the mission of getting more women running. And it, yeah, it sounds simple and um, it's, I guess it's what everyone tries to do with their magazines, but yeah, that title is, it really does live and breathe its mission. And, you know, we've got podcasts now. Um, the, the website is growing rapidly. And I think there's just a real personal connection between the magazine and the readers, which we, we haven't necessarily always had with some of our titles where perhaps we've had magazine experts publishing magazines, but who weren't necessarily passionate or, or um, uh, devotees of the subject. So, you know, it's, it's been an ongoing debate, but I think in, in Women's Running, we've found an editor and a title and a brand that are just hand in glove made for each other. And your current portfolio is spread over food, well-being, and music. How would you summarise the potential for growth in each of those areas? Yeah, and I would say that um, we're very much focused on food and well-being. Um, we sold some uh, our sort of core music making titles a couple of years ago, which are uh, Music Tech and Guitar Magazine. Um, and at the time, that you know, it was a sort of question about, well, where does that leave you with the music titles? And uh, Effectively, we decided that um, yeah, we weren't going to sell them for the sake of it, and you know, it wasn't a compelling moment to do that. Um, so we, we kept them as a sort of a profitable part of that business that we absolutely love. You know, my classic pop is my favourite magazine. I, I don't think that's any secret among my, my uh, staff. Um, so it's yeah, it's a, a little bit of a sort of uh, labour of love with those titles, but they are really profitable and they're they're something that we're really proud of. Um, but in the meantime, our, our strategic focus is on health and well-being, and that's where we've launched new new uh, websites over the last year um, where we experiment with things like podcasts and training courses and the like. So, yeah, we're very much focused on health and well-being. And you've said you want to build a health and well-being media company, which is much more than just print magazines. Uh, and also Anthem is now a digital-first company, I believe. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I, th I think perhaps probably truer to say we're we're aspiring to be a digital first company. Um, I think everyone has to go, and we've just seen with the pandemic, we, we have to move away from reliance on the newsstand. The newsstand is a brilliant place, and like I said, that's where I cut my teeth and you know, where my heart is. Um, but we've seen that you have to have more strings to your bow. But also, more importantly, if if we want to influence people's lives if we actually want to do good with with the magazines that we publish or the brands that we publish realistically that's you do that digitally you don't do it by selling you know five ten fifteen thousand magazines it's by reaching fifty hundred two hundred thousand people digitally so i think in terms of helping people lead lead healthier lives we have to embrace the, the digital world and um so yeah, it takes time through learning, but and also just reorientating people's mindsets. But I think again with the pandemic, that we've really accelerated our um, approach to interacting with our readers in that way. Which um, brings the, up the question: How do you then monetize that? How do you make that digital offering pay? Yeah, um, 
it's it's an interesting one because I know back at I was at um, a PPA conference maybe a year ago, and uh, there's a chap saying you cannot make money through media through media sales, and you have to sell access and you have to sell you know to your consumers, not to advertisers. And I, I'm not convinced of that. You know, I think um, again, you know, the lockdown and the pandemic is sort of you know sharp, in sharp focus at the moment, um, and as as everything sort of closed down rapidly, we thought, oh god, advertising is going to be the, the first thing to go. But actually, you know, but partly because of the, the topics that we're involved in, um, in, in veganism and running, you know, these are, these are actually things that people could still embrace during lockdown, and we, and our advertisers want to reach those people. Um, and you know, it's not about selling banners or you know just inventory at the lowest price through networks it's about relationships and um you know close collaborations with those advertisers that are much more than just the old you know, just sell something and, and move on yeah as, as you say you're perfectly placed for the for the new normal in which health and well-being is at the forefront of all of our minds um you you recently announced a restructure can you tell us a bit more about that and why it was necessary and what it means for anthem yeah, so uh, when the when the lockdown happened in sort of late March, um, we we all in the space of three weeks we had three versions of our company um, in response to what was going on, and after about I guess three weeks, four weeks, we could see that yeah, Smith just completely shut. There were parts of our business that were couldn't exist without Smiths. So that was a, an interesting thing. And it was something that we, you know, we, we'd been conscious of, but uh, then had to face the reality of. So we suspended probably six of our titles, I think. Um, and as we've eased towards coming out of lockdown, we've, we've been able to assess the ones that we think can now emerge from that. Um, and so, so don't, and throughout uh, the lockdown, we had, we were still publishing all our core uh, health and wellbeing titles. So that still continued, but there were other titles that were perhaps a little bit more marginal anyway. And we we hoped to be able to invest our way through to a sort of a longer term future. But given that this the way the world is now, we've obviously had to sort of choose um, where we can focus and where we can safely focus, I suppose. Uh, so we've we've sold a title, um, Food Heaven, to uh, Warners, um, where I think it's a, re- a great home for that title. Um, but we've also had to announce the closure of a couple of titles, Gluten Free Heaven and, and Long Live Vinyl, which um, has been a lovely magazine, but it really is one of those titles that is very specialist and very uh, dependent on specialist retail. Um, and sadly, we just weren't didn't have the time to build up subscription base for that title to to be sustainable in the long term um but yeah so i think with the narrower focus now um some of our titles come back as bi-monthly as well to sort of give them more room to sell i suppose um but we're very much focused on our major brands of uh, women's running vegan food living color in heaven all in that health and well-being um sector and all where they have really dominant positions in their markets and where they can actually affect and reach the most people yeah yeah um 
You run video training courses on the one hand and live events on the other, and presumably those have both been affected, perhaps in different ways, by lockdown. Um, how have they fared in lockdown, and do you think live events will come back? Yeah, so we we launched some video training courses last year, um, and you know, that, that was a steep learning curve, but um, created something that was really strong. Um, but we de de emphasised it, I'd say, um, towards the turn around the turn of the year. But interestingly, as you've sort of suggested, during lockdown, uh, we were able to remarket that. You know, a marketing team who also won an award recently for the uh, subscription team of the year at the NMAs. They were heroes of our early lockdown in that they um, were able to exploit all our opportunities to sell things direct to to our consumers and our readers. Um, so the um, training course has been among them. So we, we sort of just relaunched them basically you know, at a sort of more accessible price and suddenly we were having a new revenue stream that just came back on board. Um, with live events, you know, we had a three-year go at live events and probably the most successful ones were music titles, but music events that actually went when we sold Guitar Magazine. Yeah. Um, so we were left, we, we, we did a um, Bare Fashion, which is a vegan fashion show, which w- was a wonderful event, but we were, we were struggling to make money with it. And then as the lockdown came, it, it just sort of spelt the end for it with us. Um, so we sold the brand to uh, one of the people who was involved with it. And, you know, I, I think they'll probably evolve it as a digital brand. But for now, I think we're away from live events, as we'd all expect them to be. Um, although, you know, I do think some of the live digital events that are happening are actually much better than I expected. So we've, we've got something in colouring that we could could bring back as a live digital event. So that that, that might see us return in, in that way, but not necessarily in a room full of people. Right, right. So what do you think are the key tenets of a successful modern publishing strategy and how has that changed in the light of recent events? I think the the absolute core of what we've been trying to do over the last 18 months is get closer relationships with our readers. Um, and it's so as well as understanding them, it's literally being able to talk to them. You know, I think it's just at the core of everything we have to do now. You know, when you can't, rely on retail um and you can't actually rely on social media just having that direct relationship of emails and subscription is axiomatic to everything i think the publishers have to do now so that's our top priority and how do you see the consumer magazine market evolving over the next five years um i think it will you know continue to be robust you know i think we've seen with Colour in Heaven, for instance, we sold more magazines than we have done for five years during the lockdown. So I think people still have passion for magazines um, if they catch the moment right, you know, and, and women's running is selling more than it was a year ago. So, you know, I think there's still um, an appetite for titles. I think that there, there's going to be obviously constant evolution in terms of frequency, maybe, um, and also where you buy them and how you buy them. But uh, I think that the yeah the future is still strong for magazines. Um, but you you just can't rest on any laurels with publishing, you know, least of all this year. But yeah, you know, for every year since we launched, we've we've had to be sort of reinventing ourselves the whole way along. Um, so five years time, it's uh, it's for the brave and the bold, I'd say. 
And where next for Anthem Publishing? What's in the pipeline for you? So we, yeah, we have just done this restructure. So you know, really sadly, we've had to lose both brands and people. Um, but what we have done is narrowed down our focus. And those three brands I talked about earlier on, um, being food and living, colour and heaven and women's running, that's where our, our, all our major effort is at, at the moment. So for vegan, it's to have the UK's biggest vegan website. And yeah, we're not far off that. And, you know, I think that's the big thing for that title. And women's running, I think we'll see a, a greater evolution from the podcast that we've got. And, I, you know, I hope to see that there's a uh, maybe more frequent podcast or a variety of them or, you know, a, a more of a, maybe more video. So I think there's there's a lot that can be done with women's running. Um, you, in terms of visions of what you remember of lockdown, one of them is people running all the time and mostly women as far as I can see. So you know, I think there's massive opportunity with that title in particular. And what about you personally? I, I believe you always take your lunch break. You don't <laughs> respond to emails at weekends. How important is it to you to establish a healthy work-life balance? Yeah, um, yeah you have to check in with my wife. If, well, I, I definitely do um, take lunch breaks. Um, I just, Yeah, I think it's, it's vital to get away from your desk. I mean, it's especially now when I'm sat in a back bedroom, you know, looking out at a nice window. But, um, you know, you have to take breaks and you have to give yourself time not thinking about emails and computers and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't have email on my phone. Um, and even now, actually, Simon, who's my sort of um, partner in running the business, he'll email me and he'll say the next day, you've seen your email. I said, no, I haven't. You know, I don't look at it. You should know this by now. Um, so I do think it's really important to have that demarcation between your your sort of personal life and your work life and you're a director of bath city football club how did that come about and and how involved are you with that yeah that's probably the one that breaks my rules but kath says you know i'm working and i said no that's that's my hobby um so yeah i i, I do find myself that that's the one which blurs the lines i think um but bath city uh they were in a bit of a sort of crisis a few years back five years maybe and we're trying to raise money to buy it as a community-owned club. And I helped out with that sort of half knowing that I was what I was letting myself in for. And I've become, you know, I'm a director there and I'm fully involved. Um, and it's so it's so satisfying. Uh, you know, we've, we've increased the crowds there. We've you know, increased the revenues by something like 70% or something, you know. So it's really um, pleasing to bring the sort of commercial experience that I've got to bear on something that I love um, and also just seeing the, the the impact that we can have with the club in terms of you know, people being excited and happy but also we have a, a foundation that does train coaching for kids in schools and that sort of thing so it, it really um, embodies what we're trying to do with Anthem you know just make people a bit happier a bit healthier you know that's, that's our aims with both of the businesses I'm involved with now. Brilliant. And finally, you're obviously a big football fan. If you were in charge of English football, what three changes would you make to put England in a better position to win the World Cup? Ooh, uh, three changes. Um, I would not allow people to foul Harry Kane. Um, ooh, I would probably ensure they have a month off before the next World Cup. And uh, I don't know if I knew I would uh, be badgering the FA. Um, 
I think um, Southgate's done a brilliant job in, in uh, bringing in youth and giving everyone their head, but maybe he, he needs to just settle on his team. So I'll, I'll tell him just to settle down and not just constantly bring new players in. Great, great. Well, John, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast today. Okay, thanks very much. A big thank you again to Acorn Web Offset for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for a new magazine printer, then check out their website at acornweb.co.uk or contact Matt Carey on 07714 299 105 or by email at matthew.carry at acornweb.co.uk. Thank you to John for being our guest this week. You can find out more about Anthem's food, well-being and music brands at anthem.co.uk. You can also follow them on Twitter where their handle is at anthemuk. If you would like to know more about In Publishing, then check out our website, inpublishing.co.uk, where you can also register to receive our magazine and newsletter. Thank you for listening, and please join me next week on the In Publishing podcast. <music>